Welcome to Episode 9 of Everyday Wellness, Become a Fat-Burning Goddess with Intermittent Fasting. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, Clinical Health Psychologist, here with my co-host Cynthia Thurlow, Nurse Practitioner and Functional Nutritionist. Let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Welcome to Episode 9 of Everyday Wellness, Become a Fat-Burning Goddess with Intermittent Fasting. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, Clinical Health Psychologist, here with my co-host Cynthia Thurlow, Nurse Practitioner and Functional Nutritionist. Let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Hello, hello. This is Everyday Wellness. And today our topic of conversation is this super controversial yet fascinating topic of intermittent fasting. Um, And I don't know about you, Kelly, but this has probably become the most requested topic for me to blog about, talk about um, in the past 18 months. It's something I myself do on a daily basis. Uh, it is a technique that I discuss with family and friends as well as my clients. Um, and I know that we've discussed as well. So I'm glad that you made the suggestion to chat a little bit more about this because I really feel that it's a, a, a technique that can be of tremendous value to our listeners. I'm excited to talk about it today, too. As you mentioned, it's really out there. It's been on most all of the podcasts that I listen to. And in social media, there's tons of information, um, some maybe good information, some maybe not so good information about intermittent fasting. So I'm excited to talk about what it is, how it can benefit people and who can really use it to improve their health. Yeah. And, you know, to me, I think one of the things about it that I like is it's, it's simple. Uh, And I think we learn when we're working with our clients or patients that, uh, you know, keeping it simple, stupid, the more complicated we make something, the more challenging it will be to implement. And so, you know, I always go back to the fact that, you know, we're, we're kind of conditioned in society that we are supposed to eat and snack throughout the day. It, it makes me cringe when I hear a, another nutritionist or another healthcare provider or a trainer say to me or to a client, we need to eat six small meals a day and we need to be snacking in between. And the first thing I will tell clients is you absolutely positively do not want to be snacking throughout the day. 
You don't want to be eating small meals. You want to be eating, you know, two good sized meals a day, so much so that you're not hungry in between. Because, you know, when we're constantly flooding our body with food, we are we are continuously releasing insulin. And we know that that can be, you know, profoundly detrimental to our health. And and if you think about back to ancestral times, um, and I can't wait to have a colleague of ours on to talk about ancestral health, um, you really start thinking about our bodies are really designed to eat two or three small, two or three good sized meals during the day and not to be snacking, you know, bringing snacks everywhere we go. You know, obviously it's a little bit different if you have children because children's basal metabolic rate, their metabolism is so much faster. But for the rest of us, especially any adults that are listening, you do not need to be eating all day long. It's really, really detrimental. Those diet myths that is really having a difficult time fading out. It's right up there with the need to eat low fat and sugar substitute and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to eat skim milk and nonfat dairy and and all those types of things. So when I've, what I've heard about and read about with regard to intermittent fasting is that it can be a super powerful tool for weight loss, Mm -hmm. inflammation, pain management, brain health, like brain improving brain fog, um, and anti-aging too, really Mm -hmm. extending longevity. What types of benefits do you and or your clients embark on this for and what do you actually see as benefits? Yeah, it's a great question. So I would say, you know, primarily, I think most women, uh, because I work solely with female clients, they want fat loss. Uh, The bulk of the women that I work with are, you know, childbearing years and beyond. And what they start to find is if it doesn't happen in their 30s, it definitely starts to happen that they start getting this creeping fat gain. I'll have, you know, clients tell me, I suddenly have a lot of fat around my abdomen and upper thighs. I don't really understand. Um, You know, for many people, they're looking to lose weight. Um, they recognize that they, they, in our conversations, they recognize that we know that it promotes human growth hormone, which is another anti-aging aspect. Um, and then many people are really trying to get a handle on their lipids, you know, whether it's triglycerides or their uh, blood sugar levels. And so those are the primary reasons, but there are so many more reasons that we know intermittent fasting can really be profoundly beneficial, including things like, Um, you know, potentiating life expectancy, we know that people that eat less calories, and I'm not talking about restrictive behavior, but people that eat less calories age more slowly. Uh, And so those are typically the reasons why what people often find is that they have a lot more energy, if you're doing it right, and if it's the right technique for you, you will have so much more energy because you tap into fat stores, you know, you become um, much more fat adapted. and, And that 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 vernacular, uh, that terminology really uh, imparts the fact that you know your body is using fat um, for uh, fuel as opposed to sugar. You know, sugar is one of those things. When you're a sugar burner, you know people have probably heard that that terminology. But when you're a sugar burner, um, that's a quick source of energy. That's not long term, you know, options. That's why people get hungry in between, you know, breakfast and lunch because they um, really are just burning sugars and not tapping into their fat stores. So, for many many of my clients. Um, fat loss is a huge concern. And so their interest generally stems from there. And then they find there are all these other added benefits 
um, you know, including improving their blood sugar, their blood pressure. Um, we know it reduces inflammation, oxidative stress, and inflammation is at the basis of pain. Uh, it's in the in at the basis of so many health issues that I see on a regular basis. And then there's this really cool term um, that I will oftentimes share with clients. And I always say it's a big fancy word. It's called autophagy. And what that does is when you're in a fasted state, your body is cleaning up all these um, disease cells, these cells that would otherwise just kind of lay, you know, lay around in the body and, and they're not designed to be helpful at all. Helps clean them up. It's kind it's kind of like coming in and taking out the trash. Uh, so that's another incredible benefit um, when you are uh, in a fasted state. So to me, it's a really, um, you know, fairly easy thing that people can do and they can try out for themselves um, that has prevent, prevent you know, tr- tremendous benefits. And so we're still talking about consuming a healthy whole foods diet. So we're not mm-hmm. saying you can do this intermittent fasting protocol, whichever version works best for your life and eat junk food. So we still need Correct. to be thinking about eating a whole foods diet, focusing on healthy vegetables and fats and proteins. But I know that there are a number of different variations in terms of time, timing of meals and length of the fast Mm -hmm. um, that can work better or worse for some people. So can you talk about the way that you kind of introduce this to people? Do you start with a 16-8 kind of method? I think it really depends on the client. I mean, I have some clients, and if you haven't read the book, The Four Tendencies, um, it, I usually give a little quiz um, that uh, the, the a great deal about our focus on everyday wellness is on supporting gut health. And one of my new favorite ways to recommend to family and friends and even clients is to consider colostrum. And so Equip Foods has an amazing product that helps to improve immunity and gut health and recovery. And each scoop contains grass-fed, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free colostrum. And if you're wondering what colostrum is, it's a nutritional powerhouse that serves as the first source of nutrition for mammals in nature. It's been shown to enhance immune function, gut health, and recovery with vital nutrients such as lactoferrin, growth factors, and prolon-rich polypeptides. Colostrum is a natural milk-like fluid produced by mammals immediately following delivery of the newborn. And while colostrum is a dairy product, it does not contain milk or lactose. So most people with lactose intolerance usually find colostrum very easily digestible and beneficial to gut health. You can use one scoop a day. You can mix it in things like coffee or mix it in shakes or even yogurt or even some of your baked food recipes. As I mentioned, has a lot of health benefits, including research demonstrating the improvement in a reduction in inflammation, promoting good gut flora, and supporting restoring leaky gut to normal permeability. And what I love best is that Equip Foods is very ethically focused. Their cows are humanely raised and ethically treated. And cows produce an excess of colostrum when nursing. So only after their babies get what they need are they able to source the excess colostrum for use in their products. There is three grams of colostrum in each scoop and one serving in comparison to main competitors has just one gram. And research demonstrates that this dose of three grams actually promotes more benefits to gut health, immune function, 
recovery, and vitality. So if you'd love to take care of your health, you can go to www.equipfoods.com slash Cynthia20 to get 20% off your first order. That's www.equipfoods.com slash Cynthia20. You definitely want to check this out. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armour's colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. The author of that book, Gretchen Rubin, um, has on her website. And it gives me a sense, you know, for someone that's an upholder, you know, someone who follows the rules, which is kind of my mindset, um, I could start off easily with 16-8, which means you fast for 16 hours a day, and then you your feeding window is an eight-hour day. What I find for many people that are coming off of a traditional westernized kind of mentality with regard to food, it's very hard to wrap their heads around that they're going to fast and skip their breakfast. So what I typically will do to them is say, okay, if your last meal is at 6 p.m., the first time I want you to eat the next day is at eight, no earlier than 8 a.m. So they will then have start with a 14 hour fast. And then we will slowly increase that window. Many people just do a 16 hour fast a day. And I'm completely fine with that. Um, I, I usually and for people that have the flexibility in their workday or flexibility in their home life, that they can kind of experiment with different windows that works well. For many people, they don't have the luxury of being able to stop at 10 a.m and have their first meal of the day. So they sometimes, and have their first meal of the day. So they sometimes will, but the nice thing about intermittent fasting is there's a lot of flexibility. So maybe one day that you do a 16-8, 
and the next day your feeding window is shortened, or excuse me, is widened a bit. And so maybe you will go um, 14 hours or 12 hours with a fast. The benefits still remain very much the same uh, because you're, you're really kind of tapping into that fasted state. So it, it, oftentimes it's highly dependent on the individual. Um, most of the women that work with me, they do it on a daily basis, but we know that the benefits of intermittent fasting uh, can even be garnered if you're doing a 24 hour fast once a week, uh, or if you're even doing intermittent fasting a few times a week. So that's another, um, benefit is that that flexibility piece, I think for many people makes it a bit easier to kind of incorporate into their daily lives. Absolutely. I think that's really the key to making it work for individuals is not being too rigid on how you do it, when you do it, and be knowing enough, understanding enough, and having enough background education to know how you can play with the hours of fasting. So for example, usually one day a week I have to travel and I'm away from my house, and so mm-hmm. I just choose that day as my 24-hour fast day. And it's really convenient because I don't have to prepare any lunch or worry about mm-hmm. getting lunch while I'm out. Um, and then I just eat dinner with my family when I get home. So that's one way that I've definitely made it work in my mm-hmm. life. And, you know, I've read uh, Dr. Jason Fung's work on my intermittent fasting. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I've also listened to some podcasts with Dr. Dan Pompa, who does a lot of cellular detoxification work. And it seems like the jury is out on exactly when the autophagy, autophagy, I've heard it pronounced a bunch of different ways, how, when those benefits start. So I've heard that those benefits can start as early as the 16 or 24 hour fasting Mm -hmm. window. But I've also heard that they really start to kick in after day three and day four, if you were to Mm -hmm. do a longer fast, Mm -hmm. what's been your understanding of that? Um, You know, and it's interesting, because I, I have one client right now who's done Um, as long as a two week fast, not in our work together, but beforehand. And I do think that there's value, you know, in that two to three day fasting mentality that that's really when um, a lot of benefit uh, and autophagy really kind of taps into. Is it entirely realistic? Because most people, there's that strong, you know, desire to eat food, chew food, swallow food, enjoy food. Um, but two to three days, and, and actually one of the um, former clients of mine who has a, an amazing uh, juicery uh, in the South, you know, she does prolonged fasts uh, a few times a year. And she talks about once you get beyond that first two to, you know, 48 to 72 hour window, it's really not all that hard. So I think it goes back to that mindset piece that, you know, recognizing that it's a short term, you know, short term strategy um, that you will eventually get to eat again. But yeah, Yes, I do believe, you know, based on my own rating, and I love Jason Fung's book and his work, um, you know, Yuri Alkheim has another uh, great resource on intermittent fasting. But everything that I've read and experienced myself, you know, there's definitely the most benefit when you hit that two to three day window. It's just not entirely entirely realistic for everyone to do that. I I know for myself um, personally that um, I I lift heavy a few days a week. And so I have to be very careful where I time doing a 24 hour fast around a a really um, uh, more uh, kind of stringent uh, or excuse me, a really much more intense workout because you know, I will be get much more hungry. Um, and intrinsically, just doing, you know, water fasting, or just doing a, you know, a juice fasting. Um, it's really hard. It, that's not something I can prolong I have to really be mindful of where my workouts are. So 
uh, again, it goes back to educating our clients about um, ensuring that the time around uh, a more prolonged fast, your activity is uh, targeted kind of appropriately. You're not going out to run a marathon. You're not training for an Ironman, um, and you're not going out to pay, like you know, pay, you know, do a CrossFit competition. That's the time to do more restorative therapies uh, so that you can help support your body. Into the fitness and more of an elite athlete working with someone who has experience with that could be very beneficial. You know, I've also found that in for myself and for some of my clients who've tried intermittent fasting, another interesting benefit is your connection to food really mm-hmm. comes to the surface mm-hmm. and any issues that people have with food come to the surface because uh, we all have and often do eat for reasons other than pure physiological Mm -hmm. hunger. And when the food is taken off the table, you're suddenly faced with how you're going to deal with those issues without eating. So for example, if you have a particularly stressful day at work and your typical MO is to come home and have a glass of wine and some cheese, but you know that you are, you know, you're not eating that evening or you're starting to eat again the next day, it really forces you to take a look at at what's going on and to figure out other ways to deal with that. Absolutely. Um, Have you seen that with yourself or your clients? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I will oftentimes see is that it will, um, well, first and foremost, you know, our relationships with food, some of us think of food as fuel, and some of us look at it as an emotional crutch. Um, you know, the former makes it a whole lot easier if you are intermittently fasting. It's a whole lot more challenging if you're fasting and, you know, food is is used as a source of comfort um, in, in any capacity. What I oftentimes will hear from clients, and I notice with myself, is that if, if I've come back from vacation or if we've had a string of, um, we don't go out to dinner very often, but if I've gone out to dinner and I feel like my, my cravings are kind of off, um, because cravings tell us that we're missing something in our diet. Um, I will sometimes feel like when I prolong a fast, it will kind of get things back on track. So, you know, for me, it definitely makes me much more mindful about what is it that my, what is it, what is it that my body's telling me it needs? Um, because cravings are oftentimes a representation of something our body is not getting, uh, but also kind of zeroing in on, you know, food is fuel. That's really the way that we should think of fuel. Fuel is meant to, excuse me, food is meant to be savored, enjoyed, um, you know, the, the time, the connections with our loved ones and our friends and family. Um, but if we're using food as a crutch or if we're using it for emotional reasons, um, you know, fasting can kind of help with some, you know, kind of looking more introspectively to determine uh, what can be the motivations for why we're wanting to eat a particular food. And and I know certainly, you know, in your work, you probably dive into that quite a bit. Um, but it can be really insightful. And I think that can be helpful. If, if someone is, I use the term self evolved, if someone is really looking intrinsically looking inside to see what is their motivation for eating the way that they do, I think it can be very beneficial. Absolutely. I think it really can shine a light on the reasons why people are eating or the difficulties that they're having in their life that they've been trying to fix with food. Mm-hmm. And if someone enters into this and isn't sure about those things, it will become apparent very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition, I also think that it's a therapeutic tool for helping to break those habits. So if you are fasting and you aren't allowing yourself to eat food, 
you sort of have to figure out another way to deal with that emotion. Ideally, you'd want to have some of those tools and coping skills ahead of time. But if you're forced to deal with it, you're going to have to be resourceful and come up with some things or learn those kind of tools after you've broken your fast. So yeah, I think it's a tool that can be useful for increasing and paying attention to your associations with food, but also as a tool for helping to break that constant habit of maybe eating while you're looking at Instagram or, or whatever. It really just makes you, it makes you more aware and it helps to break mm-hmm. that habit and establish a new habit. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness. Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients, and it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more, were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. When we're when we're talking about intermittent fasting, because I think it's valuable. Um, and I don't know how much you've seen of this on social media, but the concept of if it fits your macros, which makes me mm, crazy, it's yes. kind of like it's a visceral response because I think it justifies some really poor food choices. And by that, I mean, um, I, I'm all for moderation, not deprivation. Let me preface what I'm about to say so that I don't get skewered. Um, I, I am I am a realist and I have a penchant for dark chocolate like no one's business. I love really high quality dark chocolate. With that being said, um, I see a lot of social media people and it's probably people that are, are a bit younger than I am that probably have the ability to um, you know, have some dietary indiscretions at greater frequency than I do. With that being said, when I see someone who's a nutritionist or 
someone that is a personal trainer and they're advocating that you can eat garbage and by garbage I mean like pop tarts and tons of ice cream and you know tons of cake on a regular basis because it fits your macros I think that that really is a disservice to so many women Um, and I'm going to focus on women when I say this uh, because I think it's really a misnomer if you're feeling like you need to be eating those kinds of foods on the regular Uh, my first question would be is, you know, do you have a sugar addiction? And that's a larger issue. Um, Or are you trying to provide justification for continuing to eat, you know, much less nutrient dense foods, because there are lots of ways to indulge, um, you know, you know, cravings that you might have in a way that's not going to derail all your hard work. And so um, I just want to sneak that in there, because it's something that um, really has been bothering me on social media. (laughs) And it's not like me to um, be inflammatory. So hopefully if anyone's listening, um, they're not offended by that. But I, I just think it does a disservice to a lot of the hard work that so many of the service to a lot of the hard work that so many of the women I know are doing right. Um, you know, if you're advocating that someone have two boxes of, of pop tarts, because it fits their macros for that day, maybe they've done a heavy workout. Um, that's not the kind of food that's going to fuel your body or make you feel good or ultimately contribute to anything that's of your health because there's there's intrinsically there's no health healthy food or food like substances um, in a pop tart. Sorry to pick on pop tarts, but that was <laughs> that was one of the most recent posts, and I just kind of went bananas when I saw this girl advocating that she could have three pop tarts, you know, and that was totally fine because it fit her macros. I'm like, well, wow. no one should really be eating pop tarts to be honest, but that's no. a whole other issue. Well, and I think it goes back to the distinction between looking fit or trim or slim and healthy and actually being fit or trim and and healthy. And for the long term, there's a big difference between short term and long term. And, you know, my continually evolving understanding of chronic illness is that it's starting now. It's going on now. It's going on when our kids are little and it's all about this allostatic load. So this load of stressors, which can come into our life from trauma or the millions of environmental toxins to which we're exposed or the food that we put in our mouth. And over time, our genetics and perhaps an active lifestyle can help us to appear healthy. However, those things will catch up with us eventually. And I think that's oftentimes why people are surprised when they suddenly, quote unquote, suddenly develop some sort of condition. Um, it's not really suddenly, it's something mm-hmm. that's been going on. And I think that this, that type of thinking can contribute to that, that type of lifestyle and mm-hmm. having that moment where you're faced with a chronic diagnosis, a, chron- a diagnosis of a chronic condition, and it feels like it's out of left field. I think it's, it goes back, you know, a lot of the work that, you know, we both do, we recognize how important mindset is. And, you know, we're, we're fooling ourselves if we think that we can eat food like substances and be healthy. Right. Um, you know, one of the most profound mindset shifts for me as a healthcare provider was recognizing how vital and important nutrition was in our health. Um, you know, certainly Western medicine really doesn't focus on that. And certainly the work that I did with my patients uh, working in cardiology, it was always a very cursory conversation about nutrition, uh, but recognizing that, you know, choices that we make, you know, foods that we choose to fuel our body with can be tremendously beneficial or they can be tremendously harmful. And much like the, I always pick on this one diabetic patient I had, um, you know, obviously if you're a diabetic and you're being told by 
the um, diabetes specialist that it's acceptable to eat six bananas a day. Um, you know, I looked at this very nice man and said, I know that you recognize that, um, you know, a, a banana is better than a candy bar. But if you have a blood sugar problem, which we know you do, uh, you are not benefiting yourself by eating six bananas a day because we know you have a sugar problem. So instead of that banana, one banana a day is really pushing it for him. You should have had five vegetables. And he looked at me like I had two heads. And I said, you know, there really should be this nice three to one ratio, you know, three veggies to one piece of fruit. Uh, and so that's kind of become my, you know, my mantra uh, is to, you know, share with people that uh, it really is so important to eat more vegetables because those vitamins and minerals that we get from those vegetables um, and the limited fruit that we should be eating in our diet uh, are things that we're just not otherwise getting. Um, and that's, you know, the the take back, I had a woman tell me, well, I only have organic produce. And I said, that's fantastic. But the soil that that organic produce, you know, actually um, was grown in is so devoid of vitamins and minerals compared to soil that was around 50 years ago that we really have to be, you know, tremendously mindful of our food choices that we're making. So I know that we, we've kind of gotten off um, off base about intermittent fasting, but, um, you know, the, the choices that we make food-wise are really, really important. So if you're doing intermittent fasting, eating a nutrient-dense diet is equally important and not buying into that mindset of, if it fit, fits my macros, which um, is is a visceral, you know, I hear every time I hear that I get a visceral response in my body, uh, because I think it just sends the wrong message on so many levels. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, I really think that our take homes here are to give this a try. If you haven't tried intermittent fasting in your life, and you aren't someone who's, you know, grossly underweight, or you're not pregnant or breastfeeding, which I know those conditions can mm -hmm. sort of be contraindicated for intermittent fasting. You view this as an experiment. I always tell my clients when they're trying something new, any new behavior, to view it as an experiment and give mm -hmm. it a try. You don't, you know how to do things the way that you're doing them now in your life, because that's the pattern that you've been doing for a very long time. And Absolutely. you can go back to that if, if this new way of doing things doesn't work for you. But we mentioned Dr. Jason Fung, his book is The Complete Guide to Fasting, and I think that's an excellent way to start. Uh, listen to reputable people such as him on podcasts or read their material, and then just try it in your life for a few days, a month, um, and see how it goes. And as Cynthia and I have mentioned here, there are many different ways to do it. And some people will, will need to ease into it. And other people just want to know exactly what to do and are ready to get started tomorrow. So just, I would encourage everyone to find what works for you and give it a try. And then let us know too, if you've had success with us, get in touch with Cynthia or me um, at our links in the notes section of the podcast and let us know how it's worked. I mean, those are some great points. And, and I also just want to add that intermittent fasting is what I consider to be a more advanced technique and is not for everyone. So if you have a history of eating disorders or disordered eating, whether it's anorexia, bulimia, um, or, you know, binge eating, um, if you have an active adrenal or thyroid issue, or if you have difficult to maintain blood sugars, um, you know, if you're a brittle diabetic, or if you're a diabetic with difficult to control blood sugars, or you're prone to hypoglycemia, or you've recently been sick, this is definitely not a technique I would recommend. And, and one that, you know, you're probably best um, served discussing with your healthcare provider to determine if, if you're actually at a point where you can safely do that. 
you know, the other piece that I would definitely suggest is that, you know, much to Kelly's point, um, you know, this is something that you can certainly try. You know, one other pearl of wisdom I will share with you is that, you know, it's a good technique for you if you have more energy. If you start doing intermittent fasting, and you start feeling like you're dragging during your fasts, if you're if you're not having as much energy, if you feel like you're not as clear, um, you know, clear, you know, cognitively, or, you know, in your head or in thinking, then it's probably not the right time to be doing it. And, and that is a kind of a, I always say it's always a deal breaker. If you have less energy, then it's not the right time to do it. Um, I have many women that come to me that we really have to work on stabilizing their blood sugars first, uh, before they're really ready for that kind of work. So I just want to sneak that in there as a pearl of wisdom. Um, and in working with this technique over the last several years, um, certainly with myself personally and professionally, I just want to make sure everyone is very clear on that. But yes, be um, be sure to send us um, input if you've tried the strategy. Um, if you have, if you enjoy it, you know you can catch up with us on social media or um, by our email address that we will drop into our podcast notes. You've learned a little bit about intermittent fasting, and you're able to take some of this information and incorporate it into your day to make every day a well day for you. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.